have Testimony Sunday today. And it's a chance for us to hear each other's stories of how we've experienced God in our own wilderness realities. Now remember, this is, um, we've really focused on the wilderness and it's particularly Old Testament stories of people in the wilderness who have been formed and transformed by encountering God in the midst of their disorientation. And uh, I know many of us are entering into this space today with plenty of uncertainty and lots of different sorts of feelings. And um, especially in view, in view of the resignations of Ruth and myself, um, and I feel that weight in this moment too. Um, and thankfully, we're going to have a chance after service to, to connect together about all of this and talk through our concerns and questions. And so I'm looking forward to us being able to be in that space together. But honestly, as we are kind of entering in, as this week was going, I was like, oh man, what a time to have an open mic for service, huh? <laughs> when we're feeling a lot of feelings. And yet, God reminded me this week that there is a reason why the people of God from the very beginning have had regular rhythms of worship. Regular times, for us it's 10 a.m. on Sunday morning, but regular times that whether it is raining or snowing or sunny, whether there is tragedy and loss or whether everything is feeling good, whether we are clear-headed or whether we're confused, there is a reason why we have these rhythms of worship, these rhythms of gathering together to be reminded that God is here. In every single circumstance, God is with us. God is working, God is redeeming, and always worthy of our attention. This is not a, the, focusing on God in this space right now is not trying to deny the complexities of our life, it, but it's because of the complexities of our life, we need to be rooted and anchored in who God is, rooted and anchored in, that, in the truth that we follow and serve a God who promises to hold all things together or to heal the broken pieces, even when it feels like lots of things are falling apart in our lives. And so actually, I think rather than just a sermon, I think we need to hear from each other, reminders from each other of ways we have seen God work in our lives, in our wilderness realities. A lot of us have been experiencing wilderness realities, disorientation, questions about where God is in the past several months, years. I mean, it's been a long season, depending on how you're defining season, right? Pandemic or transition or your own job insecurities or whatever. It's a long season. And so we need to hear from each other. It's in hearing each other's stories of God's presence and faithfulness in wilderness realities that we have insight and courage to see God's presence in ours. So, I want to, to anchor our time, I want to invite us to reflect and meditate on a verse from Genesis 28. So let me just give the, it kind of popped up, but it's, well, there it is. Uh, it's surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. Let me give a brief context of it. So we're talking about Jacob. And Jacob had, uh, this is Genesis 28, Jacob had just lied to his father, stolen his, uh, his brother's birthright, and his brother was determined to kill him because of this. And so Jacob is in the wilderness fleeing from everything he knows and holds dear. And he gets tired in the wilderness and goes to sleep. He puts a stone under his head as a pillow. And he has this vivid dream where God makes incredible promises to him, promise of blessing and presence. And when he wakes up, Jacob says, 
surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. Surely the Lord was in this place and I was not aware of it. In this wilderness, when all hope feels like it's gone, when I, maybe I feel like a lost cause, <laughs> or when I can't make sense of the past or what my future is, when it feels like the rug has been pulled out from under me, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. So Jacob responds to this experience of God by, when he, by this awakening of God's presence by taking that pillow stone he had, and anointing it and making it into a stone of remembrance. It was bigger than this. But a stone of remembrance so that he could hold on to God's presence when he didn't know it was there. He could remember when, future, when, when there's questions of the future, he could remember this is the moment that God was present and promised to me. And so we want to set up some stones of remembrance today in this community. How has God met you and encouraged or convicted you in your wilderness and reality? How has God given you strength and courage to follow God into the wilderness when you're not sure what, what lies there? How has God been in this place, in your reality, and you weren't aware of it? So here's what we're going to do. It's an open mic, and we have a microphone here, and you're invited to come up and share briefly with, with us, with this community, how you've experienced God in your wilderness realities. And we want to hear from each other and celebrate each other's stories. Um, when you're sharing, please just come on up and introduce yourself, and then you can go ahead and share. Remember those three S, four S's that Constance uh, recommended? because uh, we want to make sure we have space to be able to hear each other and celebrate each other's stories. And after you're done sharing, I invite you just to take this little mini stone of remembrance with you, that you might hold on to it, um, and so, so that in future you can look back at this and say, I remember, Lord, when you were with me, even when I wasn't always aware. So you grab this stone of remembrance when you're done sharing. Um, we don't have tons of time, so please... If, you're, if you sense that you'd like to share, come on up. You can sit in the front if someone's talking, and you can come on up right after. Um, and then Cece will close our time together in worship. Um, so let me go ahead and offer, offer this up to the Lord in prayer. Oh, Lord, you are in this place. And sometimes we are acutely aware, and sometimes we're searching for you. And God, you know how each of us have entered into this room, into this space. Lord, you, you know the, the weights that each of us carry, the hopes and joys and losses that we walk into this room with. And none of that is a surprise to you. None of it. You are a God who is near and close to your people. And so, Lord, I ask that you would make your presence known in this place today. Give those of us who need courage to share our stories, give us that courage. Give us that fire to share. Lord, may we get a glimpse of you and may we meet you in each other's stories because you are at work 
Your presence is near. You are compassionate and slow to anger, and we need to be reminded of your character and your truths in this community today. So speak, Lord. Speak through your servants. In your holy name, amen. morning. <clears throat> uh, my name is Fred. Um, wow, it's been a while since I've been to this church, and the lights are really bright, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know you, but as soon as you were talking, I definitely felt the urge and the motivation to just, I don't know, I just started walking. <laughs> and um, like all of us, we were typically were on our phones or whatnot. Wasn't doing it in here, but before I came in, we've all, we've all seen Time Hop. And I was reminded that 10 years ago was right around this time where I went through, you know, my own pandemic of, you know, transition and shifts. So, you know, long story short, lost my job as, a, as an early 30s uh, individual who thinks, how has that happened to me? And went through... Probably one of my darkest times that I haven't really shared with too many people that, um, you know, I lost faith in, wow, like how, how did I get here? Why am I going through this? And I will say that I didn't know it at the time because, you know, you do everything you can on this earth to do what you can to get back to that better place. But without knowing it, I think even now, like, like you were saying, years later, you still realize you're going through some of this. <clears throat> and I can reflect back on how that dark time really made me a better person now because it's like you learn the hardest lessons through pain, through struggle, and you may not know it, but God certainly, you know, works through you to say, hey, keep going, keep pushing through it, you got this. So, again, to just kind of, you know, make a long story short, I'm in that place now where I feel like since being away for four years, of all days to come back and hearing that message is like, you know what, just tell them. So that's why I wanted to tell you, if you're going through something tough, going through some struggles, get through it, you know, continue praying through it, and then it'll get better in the end. So it always gets better in the end. Thank you. Alyssa, um, sorry, I just like went really quick up there, my bad, if you wanted to come up next, but, um, so yeah, my name's Alyssa, um, I'm 19, um, I'm from Houston, Texas, so like, it's, oh, woo, um, it's like Southern culture to be Christian, and so I grew up in like a Christian family or whatever, but my family definitely didn't express those kinds of like ideals or what like Christianity actually was or like I didn't know what the gospel was I went to church my whole life had no idea what the gospel actually meant 
Um, but I was always fascinated with the idea that like God was the creator of everything. And so I was like, wow, like that's so cool. I'm so small and God is so big and he created everything. Like that's really cool. Um, and so growing up, I went through it. My childhood was a little rough. Um, and so I grew up in like a kind of abusive household. And so I was like, man, how are my parents a Christian? But like, they're abusive, you know? And it just, I had a really bad taste in my mouth of like Christianity and like who God was. And so um, in middle school, my parents got divorced and that was like a really rough time. And like, it just was terrible. I felt like the world was just caving in on me. And, um, and I just like felt like this deep, deep hole in my heart and like I just knew that there was something more and I didn't know what it was and so unfortunately like me trying to um, discover like how to fill that hole I was like super abusive to myself and um, I got involved with like really bad things at such an early age um, and I just was really depressed um, and so that kind of carried on into high school and everything and uh, there was this boy named Jet, and he was my best friend since the sixth grade. And I knew how he was, and he was a troublemaker like me. And me and him were friends all of our lives, and then we kind of took a break. We fell off. Um, and then we rekindled right when I graduated high school. And seeing the person that he had become, like he became a Christian. Sorry, I didn't mention that. He became a Christian, and so then I was like, whoa, like... Jet, like what? Like you're the same person, what? And so spending time with him and his friends and um, really got me like, oh, like who is God, you know? And like I thought one of his friends was really cute. And so <laughs> I thought one of his friends was really cute. And I was like, wow, like I really like these guys and like they're really awesome. And so I was like, I'm, I'm going to see who this Jesus guy is all about. And so it was then I started reading scripture and that's when everything was illuminated to me. And, like, I actually understood the gospel. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. Um, and so then that's when I was saved. And um, from then on, I realized, like, wow, like, this whole time that I thought God was, like, forsaking me and, like, using this to, like, torture me or torment me or, like, just put me in the, like, I felt like God was putting me in the pits. It was like, wow, God, like, all of this happened, like, my whole story has led up to, like, God saving my life, which I think is, like, absolutely insane, you know? Like, I just was so tunnel-visioned on this negative thought pattern, thinking, like, God sucked, honestly, and, like, like now everything's different, and it's really great. So, yeah, I get to take this. <laughs> people saw, saw me up here. Um, my family's in the middle of it right now. In early March, my son was diagnosed with Crohn's, which is an autoimmune disease, and it affects his gastrointestinal system, and he is not well. And then a few weeks ago, my husband was told that his cancer came back. 
And so we are hurting and we're tired. And to be honest, I'm angry. And I grew up in a Catholic church where we didn't really have, like, God was here and we are down here. And we are unworthy of God because we're sinners. And that's something I grew up with my whole life. And, you know, I'm realizing that God has space for my hurt and my anger. And he loves me even, even though I'm angry with him. And that it's okay to receive help. That's something else. I was actually just talking with Emily about that before service today. Is I was taught to not be a burden. And I was taught to give help and not receive help. But so many people in just the past three weeks have stepped up and taken care of my children and taken care of my husband and provided food and love. And I've just collapsed into saying yes, thank you. And that is something that I didn't think that I would ever need. Um, you know, but just knowing that God loves me through the anger and the hurt and the doubt and that I'm not alone and my family is not alone. You know, it's something that I'm growing in right? and we're going to be going through it and we have hope. Right? The prognosis is very good for my husband. Um, but yeah, we're just going through it. And uh, there's not a lot that's in my control right now, but I can allow myself to be supported and I can sing, right? And uh, there are certain songs that are on my heart, um, you know, this Praise You in the Storm, and then Super Chick is Beauty from Pain. You know, these are songs that sustain and get through because there is going to be an end of this. And I'm going to be able to come back and share like, hey, there is healing. <laughs> and uh, hopefully very soon. But I am grateful for not being alone. I am grateful for being loved. And I'm grateful for being supported. Good morning, everyone. Um, my name's Brielle Lisa, um, and I think Emily's opening words were really perfect in so many ways of um, giving testimony in the midst of um, challenge, uh, holding blessing and pain both together. And one thing I want to share, two things I want to share with all of you, um, the first being I take notes every Testimony Sunday, um, and I look back at those notes and remember so many of your testimonies. Um, so if you are thinking about sharing, know that people hear you and people take things away from what we share with one another. So that's the first thing. Um, my testimony is that God's gift of imagination is one of the greatest gifts we have in that 
um, in the midst of challenge, in the midst of valleys, it's so easy to turn blinders on and not be able to imagine anything else, whether it's not being able to imagine how things were when things were quote unquote good, um, or being able to imagine things getting any better. Um, and more tangibly, um, in this past year, I um, couldn't imagine reconciliation in a relationship. Um, and there's been reconciliation since. And I also couldn't have imagined being reconciled in the way that I am to this church a year ago. Um, but I can say that I am. And so, yeah, living into, living into imagination and knowing that there are, there's a different way of being than where we are in this moment, no matter where you are. Um, and knowing that this world is not it, um, knowing that we have an imagination for eternity with God. Um, so that is my encouragement to all of you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Leora Stevens, um, and I'm super nervous. My heart's beating real fast. Uh, <laughs> but I wanted to come up here this morning and say that um, I'm a multi-passionate person. Is there anybody out there that you have like a bunch of interests and you're not really sure what to do with them? Yeah, I feel you, I feel you. Um, so to give you a short history of, of what I've done in my life, um, I'm in my 40s now. And I've worked since I was 16. I, I started working at the Old Navy, the one on Fullerton. I opened that store um, as a retail person. And then ironically, after I graduated high school, I joined the US Navy, <laughs> which was real crazy. <laughs> um, and I was on that aircraft carrier that had the mission accomplished with President George Bush. Um, I, I actually became a Christian out in the middle of the ocean on an aircraft carrier. Um, and then after that, I came back to Chicago. I worked in hospitality for a while, so I worked at the Renaissance Hotel by the airport. Um, and then I tried out um, a lot of other crazy jobs in between there. I worked at a bakery for a while. Um, I've done, I did camp counseling. Um, I was a forensic lab technician, <laughs> uh, which was it's a really rough job. <laughs> Just, um, <laughs> And then I, my husband and I, um, I'm married to Matt, who's over there. Uh, we moved to Florida for a while, and I worked at a call center for law enforcement. Um, and then we came back to Chicago. Um, we have two kids, Desmond and Rosie. Um, and then I, I tried out some other jobs, too. And um, right now, I work as a, an online learning uh, specialist. So I design courses for colleges and for corporations, right? But in the midst of all that, I, I like a lot of stuff. <laughs> Like, I like drawing, I like crafting, I like dancing. Um, and all these things made me, like, want to start different businesses and stuff. So last year, I tried making an Etsy store, only to learn that it's super hard. <laughs> like, I, I was always watching videos of people who are, like, succeeding, and I'm like, I, I'm doing my passion, I love it, I sell my goods, and I'm like, how much money do you make? Can you support your family with this? Because, like, I tried making a couple cards, and they sold for, like, $2. Um, 
So that didn't really work out. So still, I'm here working my job, which, you know, I like it. I can't say I'm one of those people that I love what I do, um, which is why I want to encourage you that if you have all these different interests, sometimes you don't work the job because you love it. You do it because God wants you to be there and you'll learn different things there. I've been in many of those jobs I just listed where people, for whatever reason, they trusted me and they poured out their hearts to me. Like they had deep conversations with me because I just happened to be there every day with them. And maybe they didn't have anyone else to talk to. Um, and I, I've learned about myself in all those different jobs, what I like, what I don't like. So you don't have to do that one job because God's made you the way you are for a reason. Maybe your skills and sets, um, things that you do, will be one way in the beginning of your career, and they'll change over time. Um, and you saw that I'm leading a craft group this summer. That's a one way that God has provided for me to use up all that paper I bought for my Etsy store. <laughs> so, just encouraging you, to remember all those landmarks of when you've had times in your life, think about how God has gifted you in that way. Remember those things, because maybe they are not applicable right now, but they may be in the future. My name is Lynn. Um, I had a birthday on Friday. I have, yeah. I have, I have three mints for anybody who can guess how old I am. Uh, I've been on the planet several decades. That's a hint, yeah. Um, but uh, from where I'm at, uh, staring, uh, at the other side of life, um, I've been reminded of uh, the end, which is a beginning. Um, three ways this uh, winter. I've been hang I hang around with open arms, and one of the men that I've gotten to know real well. Uh, have been mentoring. We've uh, stared scripture together. We've prayed together. Uh, was diagnosed with brain cancer, and in uh, February he died. I followed him to three different hospitals because he wouldn't stay put. Uh, he was looking for better drugs to ease his pain, so he would walk out of hospice. It's crazy stuff. But while he was dying, I got a phone call one night from uh, a stranger who happened to be a friend of another friend of mine up in Minnesota, who I had befriended, who had been, uh, been a, a client of mine, and she had suddenly died. And I had been in touch with her probably every other week or so over the years, and she kept her illness hidden from me. And then we decided to go to Florida, beginning of March. And just before that we left, my brother had a stroke. And while we were in Florida, he passed away. 
He's my little brother, and he's 72. Oh, he was. It's been a heavy few months. I'm normally a kind of an upbeat person. I see humor in way too many things. Uh, some of you have noticed that, perhaps, and gone, that's off the wall. Uh, but there were days when there wasn't much humor. Uh, so it's a kind of a wilderness. Um, and death is like that. Some of you know that very well, more intimately than I do. Uh, although, in those few decades I've walked this earth, I've known a few people who have passed, who I've loved. The morning my brother died, we were visiting dearest, dearest friends from our hometown in Wasika, Minnesota. And they loved us and supported us and listened and let me cry. My friends here who I've shared about Carmine and, and his struggles have listened to me and paid attention and said prayers for me. And those are the ways that God has been present for me. Uh, some of you know that I have a lot of tunes running through my head. Some of them are country western and bluegrass and 50s doo-wop rock and roll. And, but a lot of them are also hymns. And, um, and they help me. Just before, uh, just around my brother's death, uh, we got a, a, a devotional from uh, Christianity Today, I'm a subscriber, and so they just sent this devotional for Lenten. And it was just a reflection on a variety of hymns related to uh, the resurrection and Christ's death. And the last one, and the uh, author talked about Johnny Cash singing this song, uh, recording it on an album days before he died. Ain't no grave gonna hold me down. No grave. So God has ministered to me in those tunes, in those devotions, and in all you dear people. The texting that my siblings that I have had and the conversations they've had have been unbelievably wonderful. So I'm thanking God for meeting me in this world. He'll meet you there too when it's when it shows up in death. Hello. Uh, my name is Yuri and um I'm married to someone named Mark, and um, a few years ago, I, when we were dating, um, I was having a hard time with something, and he was reassuring me and encouraging me, and he said, um, it also might be harder for you because of some of your perfectionistic tendencies, and I said, you think I have perfectionistic tendencies? And um, 
he replied with genuine curiosity, do you think you don't? Um, so let's be really clear here, I do uh, have some perfectionistic tendencies, but at some point in my life, I had decided that being a perfectionist was like really uncool because it's not chill and I was chill. And so um, I was in an environment and I'm a bit of a people pleaser as well. It's a really fun combination. And so, um, you know, I wanted to be chill. I didn't want to have perfectionistic tendencies and I knew I was like such a Martha. So I prayed that God would help me be someone who was more easygoing, more okay with mistakes in myself and in others, and just more gracious. And so over time, um, I thought I was getting better at overcoming my perfectionism, and then that conversation with Mark happened. Um, but actually, one of the biggest blessings that has come out of my relationship with Mark is the freedom he has given me to see myself with no judgment. Um, for most of my life, I would easily enumerate traits about me that were bad, um, that I was fixing. And so these would be things like perfectionistic, anxious, sensitive, scatterbrained, critical, um, and loud. And I am scatterbrained, so that's why I have these notes. Um, and I was really surprised when we were dating that he seemed pretty okay with all these. Like, none of these traits about myself, he was experiencing them, uh, but they didn't really seem to bother him. And so I thought maybe he thought they were, like, a good thing. Um, and so I was like, do you, do you think that some of these qualities or traits are good? It doesn't seem to bother you. Um, and he just said that they're not good or bad, they're just, like, things about you, um, and I was like, imagine. Imagine just seeing things about people and not placing an immediate judgment on them um, <clears throat> in terms of like a value of, of this is a good thing or a bad thing or a good quality or a bad quality to just observe something about somebody um, and to, to accept it. And so since then, um, the verse from Romans 8 has been really real to me. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who um, has give us, given us life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And for me, I think the sin and death has been this idea of good and bad about myself and right and wrong that is extremely narrow and um, judgmental against kind of who I am. And so um, instead of trying to change who I am, uh, I've started to moderate more of some of the traits that I feel are holding me back or controlling me and using them to serve me instead. And so, um, for example, I formerly worked at a job where I'm um, going back to the perfectionistic tendencies, a little bit detail-oriented, and that was really not well appreciated because I kept finding these things that were wrong, and um, they would kind of say, like, why can't you just leave it be? Um, why can't you just let some of these things go? 
And so, you know, I beat myself up for that. And then I ended up switching jobs where my ability to identify and find mistakes um, was a really good thing. And um, I was encouraged for it. I was recognized for it. People saw it as like, it's so great that you're finding all these things. Um, and I'm, I was a consultant. And so you know, it's great that you're finding these things that then we can bring up to the client and be like, here's why you need us. Uh, so it was a really big change from an environment where my ability to kind of identify these issues was discouraged to um, being in an environment where that was seen um, as, a, as a positive trait. And so um, I think that's one example of how I, I've also been kind of reframing how I see myself, how I see certain traits about me. Um, but my testimony doesn't really stop at self-acceptance. Um, for the past eight months now, I've been on um, a sabbatical that I entered after I quit my job last year, and, and that's like its own whole story. Um, but in this wilderness, uh, let me tell you, I've been given a lot more time to see and observe things about myself. Um, so uh, if you think I was having a hard time before accepting things about myself, when I have all day to be with myself, uh, and also, you know, it's still a little bit like pandemic life. It's, it's um, extra fun. Um, but with what I've learned, I've actually um, been able to better trust that God will create spaces for me that fit the shape he has created me in. Um, so I spent a lot of my time in life trying to reshape myself to fit the places that I'm in instead of trusting that God has designed me with intention to be me and looking for things and places that are compatible with my form. Um, I'm not sure what the future holds for me, but I do have a clear idea right now of the contours that God has shaped me in in this season. And um, I wrote a prayer for one of my friends um, who was going through um, a season of discernment. And so I want to pray it over um, us as a body now. In God's creation of nature, we often see that form fits function. From the structure of cells to the shape of wings, the design of an element often belies what it is created to do. I pray you'd be given insight into how you are formed, fearfully and wonderfully made, and what innate talents and gifts shape you at this stage. Like how flowering is only one shape of many in a plant's life, would you be able to identify your form in this season and what opportunities might comfortably fit you? I pray that this is a vision we would have for ourselves and for one another as a body of Christ, that we would see each other fully and give ourselves in to curiosity in how God might use all of the gifts and supposed flaws that we see in ourselves. Thank you. Morning. Um, my name's Jennifer Jenny or Jen Dixon. Um, I don't care which, I go by all. Um, and today I'll go by Jenny. So about 
12 years ago, I'm a very controlling person, so I was telling my dad um, that I don't take time for devotions, which my parents do religiously every day, um, on their own and whatnot. And my dad had said, we both run, and I'm in fitness, and he said, oh, he said, Jenny, when you go running, that's when I do my devotions. I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. I can multitask and check a few boxes off. And I'm a terrible runner. I'm slow. I've had the gift of human movement removed from me seven times, had my seventh surgery um, five days after Easter in 2020. And it causes panic for my husband when I can't run walk because it has an impact on my whole family because I can't release stress. And so during that time, um, when I run walk, I have my devotions and um, it's a lot of run walking stopping because I'm controlling so I'm talking to God and we're arguing about things and I get back to my path um, and in March I also walk up to Galter Life Center where I teach and think and in March um, I rediscovered the um, uh, God is awesome uh, I forget who's singing it so that was on my loop just listening to that over and over even on the Stairmaster um, and then I walked back home, and then more recently I discovered Brooklyn Tabernacle's Choir's version of Total Praise. So that's been on my loop. And I was walking home from Galter a couple weeks ago, and for some reason I was thinking about faith. Um, and I really thought, do I have faith, or am I just really, 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 really tired? And you're getting seven reallys because my favorite adjective is not appropriate in the house of the Lord. Um, but I am that tired and exhausted. And um, so I've been ruminating on that. For somebody who grew up in the church, my ability to recall scripture and name it to faith is horrible. So at 51, going on 52, I'm going to text my mommy and daddy, I already have, saying, what are the scriptures about faith that I need to reference to figure out if I do? Um, and now I've been trying to discern, do I have faith or am I really tired? Or is God letting me be tired because I have my faith? and I need to rest. So I don't know, I welcome discernment. Um, I can't wait to see what my parents put forth for me today. Um, and I suspect that my dad will call me and say, Jenny, why don't you come out to our retirement community and we could talk about it and then you can rest, which means I get to take a nap on their couch. So, thank you. My name is Benjamin Stevens, uh, spelled the same as Lyra Stevens and Matt Stevens, no relationship, um, but I love them. And uh, I am 53, so another gray-haired person up here, uh, but I point that out that I've had a lifetime of, of struggles that make me really empathize with all of those who have shared their testimonies. Uh, I've gone through jobs, um, I have a health I have a health condition since I was 20. Almost every year, um, I go into the hospital. I don't have doctors who watch me. I have surgeons because they may have to come and save my life. And so I understand fear, uh, fear about my job situation, fear about relationships. Um, there are people who have really uh, come alongside me through seasons of life and there are others where I didn't have anybody and had that sense of hopelessness and um, through each of those um, I 
would go through periods where I would want to trust my friends and Christian family to kind of take care of me. And it was really the point when I surrendered to trusting in God to take care of me. And uh, I want to use a movie reference just to give you a visualization. And I don't know if you've seen this one, but have you ever seen Bruce Almighty? It's a Jim Carrey movie. You know, it's Jim Carrey. Uh, but in there, God is represented by Morgan Freeman. And out of all the movies I've ever seen God, um, or a character who was supposed to be God, Morgan Freeman really emoted a sense of who I have through all those seasons where I come out on the backside a survivor, I'd realize God is calm and not worried about what I'm going through. He is faithful to sustain me and would put all the right resources in place, particularly when I trust him <laughs> and not when I try to force it. Because I too am a recovering perfectionist. Um, I too am full of self-doubt. I am, I, 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 through many seasons of my life, would try to deal with my perfectionism by self-sabotage. Uh, trying not to be what God meant me to be in order to not be perfect. And instead of, um, you know, taking all that criticism and all the pushback on who I am from others, um, embracing that not to amplify it, but to listen especially to the testimonies around me, to a 19-year-old who from Houston, I've lived in Houston for six years, I can totally support the cultural reference, uh, but feel um, from others. I'm not a big feeler. Um, I'm one of those personality types where I'm very focused on the thing in front of me. But those around me, my brothers and sisters in Christ like Lynn, who I have the privilege of being in a small group with, um, teach me to feel. And, and there are times when feeling hurts. And, uh, and yet, through the people around me, I can see when it really hurts and maybe I might be able to encourage into that, but then times when I need to learn from that and realize, I'm not alone. So that I can be there for you, you can be there for me. Um, though um, though my per I'm wired a certain way, I so desire to embrace all of you and understand all of you. And that comes from all those challenges and the fact that God sustained me through all those challenges. So how can I in kind um, be faithful to see where he is at work and to be there to be who I am when it's um, when it's a blessing to others I'm also learning when to be out of the picture when who I am is not what's needed but instead through those relationships find those who are encourage them to be part of the family of God and to step into those situations 
and be and connect and that's where like we as a body really value connection and you are not alone the struggles that you feel that isolate you are not of God they're of Satan we are here as a family we are here to listen and to share and to cry with you I just wanted to share that as a 53 year old guy and I wanted to rock Amen. after Jeff and Madison come on up here come on up here that'll be the last one I'm Madison, this is my husband Jeff, and we wanted to just share a little bit about the ways that God has been really faithful through our foster care journey, and um, foster care in a lot of ways is a wilderness for foster parents, but definitely for the kids that are coming into care, and for their birth families, and for all the people who come around foster families, for our friends and family, there's so much unknown, and there's pain just inherently in foster care because it stems from brokenness and hurt. And we had a youth in our home for three and a half years who got to reunify with his birth parents, with his birth father and his fiance in December, and it was terrifying. It was terrifying to send this sweet little eight-year-old, he was seven at the time, into this unknown, and it was his wilderness that we couldn't go with him. We couldn't keep him safe. Um, whatever that concept of safety even is, because we can't even do that in our home. <laughs> um, we couldn't be there to coach him through, like, okay, this is who God is in this situation. We just had to trust that God was there, and God was there. And as, like, a small example of the way that God's been faithful, we, re he returned home, and we had no idea, are we even going to see him again? Is he going to be a part of our lives? Are there other kids in our home who are also grieving the loss of a brother of three and a half years, are we gonna, what kind of relationship is this, is this gonna be? We have to trust this birth family who we don't know very well. And today, he is upstairs in Kid City along with his little brother who's six because the family has trusted us to continue being a part of their lives and they're not Christian. And I went and picked them up yesterday and said, hey, is there a time you want us to bring them back tomorrow? We're gonna go to church in the morning. We can drop them off before or after. And they said, oh, Take them to church with you. We think they like that. So there's so many ways that God has just showed us like the safest place for our kids is with God. And we just need to trust that God's going to be there in their wildernesses and our wildernesses um, in ways that we don't know. So just wanted to share that. Um, my name is Thomas. I felt a little conflicted about coming up here, but I kind of felt that I should say something. Um, I, if you guys don't know me, I'm a fifth year doctoral student at Wheaton College um, in clinical psychology. So to be a clinical psychologist, um, mental health and things like that. Um, and I'm a fifth year, so this is my last year. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, it's a lot of work, don't <laughs> think, of, think about it. If you <laughs> think about it, um, I went straight from undergrad. But anyways, um, being in my program and kind of like finishing it, it's a lot. 
Um, and I've really had to reflect a lot in psychology. And I think it's like, it's pretty a lot um, as psychologists. Um, I feel like just learning about human pain and suffering and seeing that, um, but also thinking about your own pain um, and what you've experienced, but also being told like, hey, go walk with somebody in this pain while you're experiencing this. Um, or being in like psychiatric hospitals and seeing people at their worst um, in like their darkest times and trying to be there for them and listen to them. Um, and just really understanding what the depth of humans can do to each other and the pain that they experience, um, but also that they perpetuate to others. And also grad school is just difficult too. Um, there's a lot of self-reflection, a lot of transitions. Um, you know, I'm a my program is five years, the other grad students are like two years or one year, so <laughs> meet them and they're done, but I'm still there. Um, so I'm still, uh, so a lot of people coming in and out. Um, also just kind of transitioning from Texas, I'm like super, it's super cold <laughs> here and uh, <laughs> Just like different relationships, like, you know, I wanna go outside when it's super cold still and like go meet with friends or whatever like that, um, but not always able to do that. Um, but also, um, so like in relationships in grad school, there's a lot of transitions, a lot of difficulties too of, um, you know, other people in authority over me um, using their power um, in an abusive way or not using empathy and things like that. Um, and also people leaving or broken promises. Um, there's just a lot happens in grad school. Um, and I'm, it's the wilderness I think has taught me to be more like Jesus or understood what he felt um, when he was in the garden of Gethsemane when his friends abandoned him and left him. And Jesus had difficulty coping with his emotions and everything that he was going through. Um, and, and just being reminded also as well um, of how Jesus says, calls us to love those who don't like us or don't love us. Um, I think God has really taught me how to do that for others, um, but also to validate my own emotions and say like, this is really hard and I'm having trouble loving this person and I'm having trouble loving those who have left me and those who have hurt me. Um, but Jesus, was call Jesus has been calling me to still love them. Um, maybe my relationship is changing with them, but I can still love them too. Um, so the wilderness has taught me how to love others more deeply and recognize my own limits as well, and also to forgive, them, forgive others. Um, as Jesus was on the cross, he said, um, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I think I've learned what that's like. Um, and also trying to learn how I can forgive as well and do that. I've also learned in the wilderness too what it means like similarly to other people of asking for help. Um, and the beauty of community and the beauty of other people. And I think God has really shown me different people in my life um, to remind me of his goodness and remind me um, that we weren't meant to walk this journey alone. And in, on that journey too, there will be people that hurt um, and there'll be difficult relationships, but we're still called to love others, um, forgive others, um, and love our enemies. Thanks.
We thank God for the testimonies that were shared today. Can we give them another hand clap of praise just for their honesty, their vulnerability?